Hello and welcome to Filling the Sink, a podcast from Catalan News. I'm Lorcan Doherty and today we're talking about Civil War bomb shelters. The Spanish Civil War, fought between 1936 and 1939, was one of the first conflicts where aerial warfare played a significant role. In Catalonia, a network of bomb shelters was created for civilians and Republican soldiers to take refuge from the bombing raids by Franco's nationalists and by the air forces of his allies, Hitler in Germany and Mussolini in Italy. 85 years on, many of the bomb shelters, although perhaps forgotten about and ignored, have survived and there is growing recognition in Barcelona and in other cities of the history that lies just beneath our feet. Coming up in today's podcast, we're going to hear from 90-year-old Manel Bax, who shares his very vivid memories of the war on a visit to a bomb shelter in the Clot neighbourhood of Barcelona. And we talk to Ana Sanchez, the photographer behind a new exhibition of bomb shelters that has just opened at La Model Prison, just around the corner from us here. Christina Tomas-White and Jared Scatchfolk have been along to see that exhibition and they're both here with me now. Hello, folks. Hello, Ken. Hello, how are you? Very well, thank you. This period in history that we're talking about, the Spanish Civil War, just before World War II breaks out, aerial warfare, as we say, is just kind of becoming a thing. And Barcelona actually has a bit of a notorious claim to fame, Christina. It does, actually. But I mean, if we take a step back, it's interesting to to make note of the fact that the Spanish Civil War was kind of a testing ground for the fascist forces in, in, in Europe before ahead of the war. So they, they were experimenting with aerial warfare in ways that they hadn't done before. And so while Barcelona was not the first city in the world or in Europe to be bombed, it was one of the first major European cities and in the world to sustain continued aerial attacks, which are known as carpet bombings. I mean, people are probably familiar with Picasso's painting Guernica, which depicts one of these bombing raids in a market town in the Basque country in April 1937. And Barcelona, the major bombings here took place in March 1938. Yeah, and another thing that was different about them is that they they weren't targeting military, like, there weren't military targets. They didn't mind killing civilians indiscriminately. Uh-huh. And it happened in Guernica, as we say, and Gerard in, in Barcelona too. The, yeah, exactly. The Here in Barcelona, between March 16 and March 18, 1938, fascist Italy launched at least 14 aerial and 12 naval attacks. And Barcelona residents fell the bombs every three hours. Over 190 bombs in total uh, launched at the city. And as you said earlier, Christina, pretty indiscriminately. Indeed. So by the end of the war, at least 1,500 houses had been destroyed. And we have a register of 1,816 people who were dead and 2,719 who were injured. Of course, um, these are just reports from... Back in the day, so who knows if, if how accurate they were, but it, it was a very indiscriminate, vicious attack. Yeah, some sources say up to 2,750 deaths in Barcelona. And these shelters then that were built at the time, I mean, an interesting thing about them is a lot of them were kind of built by by ordinary people? Yeah, actually, if you look at the city council map of, of where all these bomb shelters are that we know of, they're probably much more. Um, there's a very complete uh, map on the city council website. It's amazing. And if you look at it, they're more they're more concentrated in neighborhoods where there's a stronger um, c- civil society. There's stronger 
community associations, uh, neighborhood networks. They're far more than other neighborhoods where this is was a lot weaker. So a lot of shelters in places like Gracia and Sants mm-hmm. and, and Ciudad Bella, the, the yeah. old town. Actually, when I was looking online, there's apparently one right across the corner, like around the corner from where I live in Ciudad Bella, and I, I had no idea about it. Well, and I suppose you're never too far from one because uh, th- th- there's at least 1,322 that we know about. <laughs> and then there are also the metro tunnels, which they were mm-hmm. used back in the day f- as bomb shelters as well. So, like, obviously they had space for over 100,000 people. I mean, we, we did do a podcast on underground Barcelona in January 2022 when we touched on bomb shelters and some abandoned metro stations that were used for various purposes. Uh, but today's is, is just is focused on the Civil War bomb shelters, also because it's 85 years uh, to the month when this most severe bombing took place. And uh, as we'll hear about a little bit later, there's a photography exhibition that is open to coincide with this. But first, we're actually going to hear from someone who remembers the war, Manel Bax. Christina, you went along to speak to him. Yeah, I, I met him not too long ago. He's 90, but he still remembers it pretty well. And he lives in the same building that he lived in as a child on Carre Mallorca in, in Barcelona. So 90 years living in the same building, which mm-hmm. uh, which is and where he took shelter from the bombing when, when it happened all those years ago. Yeah. Well, let's take a listen. Pues yo vaig deixar el 33. Tenia pues, cinco, cuatro, cinco anys, sis. Manel Bax may be 90, but he remembers the war vividly. Bueno, el meu pare va entrar, el van cridar a Quintes el, el 38. His father was drafted and sent to the Ebre region in southern Catalonia, the site of one of the war's bloodiest battles, leaving him, his brother, and his mother behind in Barcelona. Nosaltres, és que els pisos d'aquí davant no hi eren. He still lives in the Clot neighborhood apartment complex he lived in as a child with his family. Back in the day, there weren't buildings in front of it, and he remembers gazing out of his window at the Republican anti-aircraft defense firing tracer bullets from the Carmel Hills to the sea. But once the air raid sirens began ringing out, they had to take shelter. Luckily for them, the closest bomb shelter was located right beneath them, under their building. Manel says there were many children in the shelter. He remembers playing with them and hearing the boom, boom, boom sound of the bombs. Eighty-five years later, the shelter is still standing, but it's not open to the public. Manel used to go down there every once in a while, but he doesn't anymore. The stairs are too hard for him. There's a huge difference between being 80 and 90, he says. But I can tell he's happy to talk to me and my colleagues about it before we take a quick look. We've gone down a flight of stairs, and... In a tunnel, dark tunnel, I can't even stand up straight. It looks like we're getting to a larger one. Some lights. Manel is right. The place is a huge underground maze. The lighting is better in some areas than others, and at some point we have to crouch down a bit to make our way through. Almost went up the wrong way there. Well, now it's time to leave. It's definitely an interesting visit. Tucked away from sight. 
Hombre, es una cosa que me interesa, porque, bueno, me interesa ya. Manel is there, waiting for us at the top of the stairs. After the war, he says, the shelter was boarded up for many years, forgotten. But it must be remembered, he says. It's important that there be a written record of what happened there. That's an amazing bit of history, Christina. What was that your first time going to a bomb, one of these bomb shelters? Yeah, no, I'd never been, and it's it's really amazing because this one. I mean, as I said, it's not generally open to the public. So if you just walk by that building, you'd have no idea that there's so much history under under your feet. Yeah, yeah, and amazing. Manel lived lived his whole life there, and like he's still kind of well, he he didn't go down the stairs as we heard, but you know, yeah. he, he he's he he's visited that shelter several times since. Right. No, and and he told me um, that his wife didn't like to go down just because it brought up too many too many negative memories of the past for her there's a video of uh your visit there and to the photography exhibition on catalannews.com so do check that out you can see what these tunnels were like Gerard, there seems to be more and more awareness that we have to kind of protect these memories not you know we heard there manel he's 90 years old the people who actually lived through this history you know there, there are fewer and fewer of them still with us and i suppose as part of that there was a recent uh, conference here that took place in barcelona <laughs> exactly there was a conference coinciding with the 85th anniversary of the carpet bombings here in barcelona but one of the things that they mainly said is because after the civil war there was the franquist regime and the dictatorship everything was kept a secret. It was silence for so many years. People didn't talk about exactly. this. Or at least not publicly. I mean, it's so yeah. many, there's a mm-hmm. very strong oral history. Like, I grew up on stories of the Civil mm-hmm. War and the bombing in Barcelona mm-hmm. from my grandparents. But mm-hmm. but, but unlike now, where the Barcelona yeah. City Council publishes a map of where you can go right. visit no, this stuff, no, that no. didn't happen it, for it a long time. It all happened in, during the last 20, 30 years. And during the exhibition and the Congress, they talk about this. For example, there was an archaeologist who says that it's good to recover all the vast majority of sh- bomb shelters, but the problem is that you cannot recover all of them and you cannot open them to everyone because first, there's a lot of investment needed and some of them have been destroyed. But Some she, of them are too dangerous yeah, to exactly. visit. Or private. Health and safety reasons. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or private as Manel Bax, you have to go with to his place, so... Yeah, yeah, you need to know, Manet, you need to like, ask one of the residents of the building to, who has the key the to the key basement to, uh, to, to let get you in. in. Um, so what this archaeologist said is that probably thanks to technology, you can 3D picture them and then like create a, an augmented reality or immersive reality experience. Uh-huh. But obviously it wouldn't be the same as going down there and feeling what they felt yeah. almost. The change in temperature, ago. I don't know, as you go down and humidity mm-hmm. and all that. Darkness. Yeah. And at this conference, there was also people from other cities from around Europe as well. Yeah, exactly. Because as Barcelona was this experimental lab before the Second World War, Berlin, Paris, they all had carpet bombings. So, for example, in Paris, there are still some bomb shelters available to visit. And in Berlin, there is one also, like a very big one in the city center that is now a museum. And one of the key things that they told us at this Congress is that Adolf Hitler's bunker, the Führer bunker, is now a parking lot. And it, that's intended to be a parking lot. That was it. That was a deliberate decision. They said, right, we're going mm-hmm. to destroy this bunker and, and turn mm-hmm. it into something a little bit more mundane. Yeah, they, they didn't even say it was in that place until 2006. So they just wanted to keep it a secret. 
here in Catalonia, you know, we're still discovering more bomb shelters. And in fact, in the last couple of years, they discovered one under the uh, headquarters of the Catalan government, where the president of Catalonia at the time, Luis Companys, uh, took shelter. Christina, this idea of historical memory or democratic memory, this idea that we as a society should hold on to these memories and and, and bring them back, uh, it's a very important thing here, isn't it? Yeah, it's very controversial too. I'm I'm sure as you've picked up on your years in here in (laughs) Catalonia and in Spain, um, I I guess it's, it's seen as a way of making amends with a very dark awful past um, you know, of the, the war and the subsequent dictatorship. Um, obviously, when Spain transitioned into democracy, they had this whole pack of forgetting and it was, you know, we're going to move forward. And it's only years later that administrations, both in Catalonia and now a bit more in Spain, has, has begun to pass laws. We have one from uh, 2022, end of 2022, that condemns Francoism for the first time in Spain's history. It also promotes the creation of a DNA bank to um, identify the thousands of people who are still buried in mass graves yeah. across the country. That's another, that's another big topic. And here, for example, Barcelona City Council have commissioned this photography exhibition, which we're about to hear about, due to this idea of historical memory to bring to a wider public this history that happened here in in the city. And uh, well, you both went along, uh, Gerard and Christina, to see this uh, exhibition, which is just around the corner. I think we can all see it. Well, I I could actually see La Model right behind you out the window there. And the building itself is worth a visit. Yeah, definitely. It's beautiful. I mean, it has an awful history, awful past. It's an old prison. Yeah, a lot of political prisoners were tortured there, sent to death. Um, so very dark history, but the building itself is is a beautiful visit. Okay, well, uh, Gerard, we're going to hear your report now from how you got on there. And uh, you spoke to Anna Sanchez, uh, who's a photographer and co-curator of this exhibition. It's so echoey. It's a cell. I'm inside La Model prison, one of the cells of La Model prison, and in front of me I have four different pictures of the same bomb shelter here in Barcelona. It's one with like that you can see like a light bulb here hanging from the ceiling in this deserted tunnel, this bunker. And in fact, if I get out of this place, out to the main alley of this prison, I get to see that this is the Refugio de la Torre de la Sagrera, a bomb shelter in Sagrera, a bomb shelter that, in fact, will open soon here in Barcelona. La, las principales dificultades para fotografiar aquest patrimonio de la resistencia es ubicar el acceso actual. One of the main difficulties in taking photos of this heritage of the resistance is finding the shelter entrances. Eight decades on, the city has transformed. It's really difficult now to find the access points, and once we do, many of them are full of water. That's one obstacle that sometimes blocks the camera or prevents you from lighting the shot as you'd like to. One thousand and three hundred twenty-two different bomb shelters have been reported, at least them documented in Barcelona. Some of them were not even built, some of them have already been destroyed. And here in this model exhibition there are forty different places that had been photographed. 
no, no siempre la fotografía que yo he hecho es una fotografía barroca, pero en aquel caso... No todas las fotos que toman son en este barroco estilo, pero en este caso sí, con este contraste de la luz, este luz en la shade, jugando con la temperatura de los bulbos, que fue la luz original en estos shelters, esta luz muy yellow, y eso es lo que intentamos recrear en el fondo. Todas estas imágenes tienen, esperamos, este look, este estilo, este barroco lighting. Contrastado de la luz barroca. One of the biggest surprises for me here in this exhibition is the Refugio de la Escuela Popular de Guerra or the popular school mom shelter here in Barcelona because I normally know this place as my school, my childhood school, Escola Pia de Sarria here in the Sarria neighborhood. And now I'm entering the cell where the pictures of this mom shelter under my school are. And in fact, I cannot even imagine this place was part of my childhood education, but yeah, you learn something new even after leaving school. Throughout the whole process of documenting these spaces, for me the most exciting moment came at the very end. I'd given up hope of finding any new access points. We decided that the exhibition would feature 39 shelters, and then we found number 40, which for me is the most special of all. It's the shelter for the Catalan Passive Defense Assembly. It was the command post for the city's protection and the Republican resistance. The anti-air raid alarm switchboard was kept there, which allowed the population to be warned when planes were approaching. Finding what remains of that shelter was probably the most exciting part of this investigation. That was Ana Sanchez. Our thanks to her. She is the photographer and the co-curator behind that exhibition. 1,322 Barcelona Air Raid Shelters is the name of the exhibition. It's open till July 31st, free entry. Do go along if you can make it. And uh, Gerard, your school appeared in yeah, one of the photos. I or a know. few of the photos. Yeah, I know. I was sur so surprised when she was explaining the exhibition. She said, yeah, Escola P. And I was like, wait. <laughs> just like, I know I, this place. That's unbelievable. Place. Yeah. And, and had, you, had you any idea that there was a no, air raid shelter in your school? No, no not no? not me. She even said some teachers don't even know. I think like none at all it's, know about it. It's not it. really well known. I shared with my friends and they were like, really? Where? Why? Why didn't she, they show it to us? I was like, well... I, th I suppose it's a perfect example of how this history isn't well known and, and like, you know, it should be. You know, you went to school for, I don't know, 10, 7 years, whatever it was. Know, no, no, it uh, was longer than 10 uh, years for sure, yeah. Uh, and you had no idea that there no. was a, a No, no, no. A shelter, First time. The exhibition is co-curated uh, by Anna and Xavier Domenac, who is a historian and also, well, you might know him as a politician as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he was the head of Ancomo Podem, the anti-austerity left party, which is now mainly led by Ada Culau in Barcelona and Jessica Albiac in the Catalan Parliament. And he was also a MP, an MP for Congress in Spain. And uh, so he's a historian. And, he, and as well as the photos at this exhibition, there's also uh, 40 objects that have been mm -hmm. uh, included as well. Objects that... Um, include like a siren. That yeah, yeah. They want to have, um, have a video in the background so that you can actually hear what it would have been like to, to hear it at the time. And objects that they've recovered from some of these shelters during their visits. Okay, and that gives a, a little bit of context. He also told us a really sweet story about this one dog that everyone in San Maria de Vazos, which is right north of Barcelona, just adored. His name was Trotsky, 
They didn't say why, but <laughs> I'm assuming they weren't fascists. And, um, or maybe not even Stalinists either. Anyway, uh, the story goes that this dog, he would warn the residents whenever the planes were coming to bomb them because they would, they, for whatever reason, maybe they didn't have a siren there. Anyway, this dog would warn them, so they would all go down to the shelter. Uh, this dog, Trotsky, was then adopted by a couple who had lost both of their children in the Battle of the Ebra in southern Catalonia, one of the bloodiest battles in the Spanish Civil War. Um, he was adopted by them. The husband died, and months later, the wife died. And then when, when the dog died, uh, the residents, they loved this dog so much that they wanted to bury him in the local neighborhood cemetery. But the priest said, no, no, he doesn't have a soul. Uh, dogs can't be buried in the cemetery. But then they reminded him that he saved so many lives, so they were able to bury him beside his humans. Oh, that's yes. a nice story, isn't it? And they also carved a paw print um, on the shelter, on the wall of the shelter, to honor Trotsky for having saved so many people. And that appears in one of the photos, is that right, yes. in the exhibition? Yes. Yeah, okay. Keep an eye out for that one, for Trotsky's paw. If you actually want to go and visit some of these shelters, there are a few that are open to the public, Gerard. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Refugee 307, here in Pueblo Sec. You can get a joint ticket with the exhibition and get there for only two euros to see the free exhibition and the bomb shelter. But there are others as well here in Barcelona. For example, the Sagrera, the Torre de la Sagrera, the one I mentioned in the report, which is not open yet, but they are going to open soon this year. And others include Plaza del Diamant, a very famous square in Gracia neighborhood. That's the one actually that we visited in a previous podcast episode, uh, Plaza del Diamant in Gracia. It was our colleague Killian went along. Underground Barcelona, episode 62. The exhibition is about Barcelona bomb shelters, but there are bomb shelters all over Catalonia and you can visit some of them as well, Christina? No, there definitely are all over Catalonia. Um, for example, in Granollers, which is not too far from Barcelona, just 20 miles north, um, it was a site of intense bombing during the Civil War. So there are quite mm -hmm. a few of them that you can visit there. Yeah, in fact, in that city, at least 60 bombs were launched just at, in one minute at 9 a.m. in the morning. So imagine that on May 31st in 1938, the scale of destruction that that caused, including 224 civilian deaths. And you mentioned earlier the Battle of the Ebra down in the south of Catalonia as well. There's a lot of these towns that have um, air raid shelters too. Yeah, for example, in Flish, um, which is it's known for the reservoir, it's you know down there, down south near Aragon and Valencia. Um, they've also got them near Reus, Tortosa, Bailes, La Canonja, Cambrils, the southern Catalonia area. But then you can also find them if you go further north in Girona, and they're, they're basically all over Catalonia. Okay, so if you're in a town or city, the local council websites normally will direct you to where you can visit some of these bomb shelters. History from 85 years ago. Time now for our Catalan phrase. Who's got one this week? Me, I do. What have we got? Fue una pasa en falso. Fue una pasa en falso to do a... a, a false step to make a false move or something yeah, like that? Yeah, essentially just to make a mistake. Make a mistake. Fe una pasa en false. Muy bien. To make a false move. 
That's us for today. Thank you very much for listening. Do please subscribe to Filling the Sink if you haven't already. Thanks very much to Anna Sanchez and to Manel Bax for speaking to us this week. And thanks very much to the two of you, Christina and Gerard, for joining me. Thanks for having us. It's been a pleasure as always. We're back again next weekend with another episode of Filling the Sink. Until then, for me, Lorcan Doherty, and all of us here at Catalan News, bye for now. Adios.